Hey everyone, welcome back to Illuminate, a podcast series from Hope Fellowship Church where we share stories to inspire growth and encourage engagement in our community. My name is Hannah Bowen, I'm the Worship Arts Coordinator here at Hope, and I'm joined by Nathan Beer, our College and Connection Pastor, and today we're excited to continue in our series, How to Church, with uh, our very own Pastor Mark. Yeah, the biggest thing that we're trying to do in this whole series, How to Church, is basically just understand why we do things the way that we do things. Okay. So right. the reason that we're excited to talk to you is just because we get to talk to you why we do things the way that we do things here at Hope. And specifically today, we're excited to take a look at vision. The vision of Hope Fellowship, how it was started, and more generally what it looks like to establish a vision for a church and maintain that vision throughout years of ministry. So we're excited to go ahead and dive into this conversation. Our vision statement, which is people becoming and belonging through loving God, loving others, and making disciples, and we talk about wanting it to extend past just Hope Fellowship, do you feel like with church's vision statements, all the ones that we've seen and you know, in your long tenure of ministry so far, I'm sure you've seen many varieties of vision statements, uh, different wordings, do you feel like there is just or there should just be one overarching vision statement that every church could adopt, and then the mission statements and the way in which they do it would be different? Like becoming a belonging through people loving God, loving others, and making disciples. That seems like something scripture states yeah. what the church does. Right. So should right. that just be the Big C Church's vision statement, or is can those vision statements be different for a church in a different state, country, etc.? I, I think that I think that there there is an overarching statement or context to statement, vision statements that that all churches would and should incorporate. It's probably what Paul says to us in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, he said that we should preach Christ crucified. And, and I think it starts there, right? It starts with gospel conversations, and, and it should be built out from that. And, and so I, I think that should be the construct of every vision statement is, is that of the working of the gospel through that church and, and communicating the gospel. I think that one size fits all when it comes to that, absolutely for sure. Then building out from that is a very specific way in which God has called you to, to basically put, put skin on the bones at that point with, with your vision statement. And I think that's, that is different. That, that's different for the, the construct of the, of the group of people, the dynamics of the group of people, the demographics, the, the location where they are, and those kinds of things has a great deal bearing to do with the way you build that out. But I think the, the ultimate... Uh, vision statement for all is that preach Christ crucified. That's, it's the communication of the gospel, and then how we do that. You know, we chose 15 years ago to that of that concept of becoming and belonging, that of going back to the book of Acts and seeing how the gospel was communicated in that early church in in Jerusalem, and it was it was communicated in a very I think very specific way. They knew exactly what they were called to do. And how they did it was was different, I think, than it ever had been done. And so that, yeah, there is an overarching vision for the church. Yes, every church should adopt that as well. But then from that, I think it's very unique. I think it's very unique, yeah. So why those two words? Why becoming and belonging? Like what was the 
what was the heart behind that in all your years? Why do you feel like those two words were the most two essential words to include in every aspect of right. what it's we do? Good did? question, because it was built out of something very negative. It really was. And, and <laughs> negative things are not always wrong, bad in our life because many times they produce very positive things in our life, right? Uh, you know, Sunday morning we talked about something that I know nothing about is childbirth. And, and the reality is that, um, that children are not just the thing that comes after childbirth, but they are a direct result of the pain. So that's what you would consider a negative being something become very positive. My experience in church over the years has not always been a positive experience, a grateful uh, experience on my part, very grateful for, for my ecclesiastical background. But I think that what I saw two things lacking in, in the churches that I grew up in anyway, and, and the church in general, was the two thoughts of, of becoming belonging and, and that of the development of people. We, we always looked at it as development of ministry. And I think that's the, the way that we've been taught for generation to generation. And it's really about the development of people. So I went back to the to the New Testament, back to the Gospels, and realized that that's what Christ was about, was the development of people. And from the development of people results ministry. And so that was the becoming part. And the belonging part was that I realized that growing up in church where we viewed each other as brothers and sisters, we even called each other that at yeah. times. But the reality was that the relationships that we have was very three-inch deep relationships. They lacked very little, very much substance to them so that when life was not good for you, then you didn't have a support group to go to because many times I think there was um, just a, I don't know, a, a front or facade that you had to put on at times or whatever, but because the relationships weren't deep. So I began to look at the gospel and began to go back to the book of Acts after that of the ascension of Christ and realized that that early church was made up of two things. It was about developing people, and out of that became ministry. People were developed in Jerusalem. Then the persecution of the church came in Jerusalem. It drove them outside of the, the city, and thus the world has never been the same. Never been the same. But yet those purposes of those groups in Jerusalem was to develop them. And then, they div and then out of that came ministry. And then secondly was that church has to be a family. It has to be a family. And to do that, that has to be cultivated, those relationships. So that's where Becoming Belonging came from. When you were um, first embarking on the process of starting the plant that is Hope, um, I'm, I've am i you know kind of known since I've come here that mm -hmm. what the early beginning looked like, but I would love to kind of dive a little more specific. Did you have a group of people before you established that vision, or did you have a vision and literally nothing else? Or what, what, did, what did the very initial plan of the church look like? That's a good question. Uh, and, and for us, now I know it happens differently with church planners differently. For us, the vision came first. The, before we ever came in 2006 for a meeting of friends here in someone's house, about eh, 40 to 50 people showed up there, that, that God had already given Reba and I a, a a vision for that. Again, the vision came out of what I saw was not present in what I consider church. Now, it doesn't mean in not all churches, and I'm not making a blanket statement. It's just my, was my experience. But yet, we had a vision of that, people becoming belonging through loving God, loving others, and making disciples, that God gave us that before we ever had the, the meeting. 
that's always been the real exciting thing for me. Every time we go through this at church or every time we celebrate an anniversary as a church, that it's the, it's the same it's the same words, it's the same intent, you know, it's the same thing, same verbiage, same statements that God gave us more than 15 years ago before they ever had that meeting. Um, so I asked the Lord, why? why? Why that? Why have we been able to hang on to that vision when other churches have not? You know, it's, it's just changed over time and, and become diluted and, and, and somewhat uh, lost in all the things that church tends to, to bring our way. And so I wrote this down, and actually I reminded myself today that vision has to be birthed from Scripture. I think the, the temptation in church today is we birth vision from culture. And, and there's the big, vast difference between culture and Scripture, other than sometimes the sinful aspect or whatever, is, is that the vast difference is that culture has a shelf life, Scripture does not. Scripture is timeless. So, Scripture has to be birthed, or vision has to be birthed from Scripture, then there's no shelf life to it. And so it's not adjusted for when culture changes. It's not adjusted for people or, or different things like that. You don't even adjust your vision when you find yourselves in moments in your church where you think, well, maybe nothing is happening right now, so I'm going to make a tweak to this. I'm going to adjust what we're about. And, and, that, and that's the temptation when it's built upon culture. But when it's built upon Scripture, it becomes changed. It's just changeless. It's, it's, it stands the test of time. Yeah, I think that brings about like that the interesting conversation that we were even having before this about you see Christian culture changing with worldly culture. Yeah. I think that's that's a difficult part that I think is always so interesting that yes, uh, vision is birthed out of scripture, right? That's what, is that how you said it? Yeah, yes. vision is birthed out of scripture. So then what does that look like to keep that same vision and intent, but as times are changing adapting with the times and keeping up with them. Because I think that's the real struggle yeah, that churches right. have, sure. and even Christians have in general, is that, okay, we now live in a generation and, and culture where social media and phones, whether people like it or not, are the focal point of our culture at this moment, where everything is done through it, connection is done through it, mm-hmm. and yet the vision, we still have the same vision, but how do we just adapt as culture and times changes what people like and what people don't like? Traditional music, music with drums. You know, what, is it, what does it look like, though, to keep that vision while making sure that we are keeping up with the times while not sacrificing uh, God-centeredness, Scripture-based yeah, theology, right. all those things that have to stay because they do stand the test of time? How is that, what does that look like to balance that? First of all, I think that the beauty of, the beauty of vision based upon Scripture is that Scripture is the most relevant, uh, I think, uh, piece of work the Bible is that has ever been given to man. It is the most relevant. It is because the way inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by people, God ordained without, without a doubt the, the inerrancy and, and that of what Scripture is to us makes it relevant for every moment of, of our life and every moment in time, regardless of history, it does. And so I think that a vision based upon that, as we said before, is timeless. But I think the mode of delivery of that vision does change. It really does. The mode of delivery does change in that. So 
for example, COVID changed our culture, right? It, right. I mean, we have to be honest about this. COVID it was a cultural changer for all of us. It is. And, and with that, the church had to change because if the church doesn't make some changes in, in that mode of delivery, I think, with the gospel and other things, then, then the church finds itself um, self-irrelevant. It, it finds itself out of date in some ways. It's, and when you find yourself not being relevant to culture, then you find yourself not being able to communicate the gospel. And, and, and when you do, it's, it's not accepted. So when we look at COVID, what we realize that it, it, changed, it changed everybody. It changed all churches. It really did. And the way we do church is, is somewhat different now as well. You know, you could, you, we, could, we could talk about specifics about things, I think, and, and how we do church. One is online presence of churches now is very different. At one time, you know, online presence was viewed as being optional, I think. is It was sort of like a sideline for churches. It was like, we have an on-campus church, but hey, if you're ever on vacation, we have something for you, and feel free to take advantage of that. And now our online presence because of COVID has changed to where that what we have as we are as we say here we're one church meeting in many locations so it's no longer just here's hope fellowship on campus oh by the way we have something online if you need it but our online presence is now extremely intentional i know a lot of churches that already reached that point i understand that and 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 and, and i do that but for us it it really changed that and what we realized, if we hadn't have made that alteration in our model of delivery, then we would miss an entire audience that we could have gospel conversations with. So there's a lot of, a lot of difference in that. Even the structure of our service has changed. The, the length of our service to, to some people's joy to some people's chagrin, whatever else, you know, however you feel about that. You know, some people love to camp out all day Sunday at church, and some people are looking at their watch after 45 minutes. So, but yet, even because of all that, we've even made adjustments in those areas as well, and we've done that without compromising gospel conversation. Yeah. yeah. So so the delivery, the model, right. the delivery changes. Essence stays the same, but every, yeah, the way in which we communicate. Well, not even, com yeah, I guess the way in which we communicate it would change. Yeah. The communi what we're, what is being communicated stays the same, but the way in which. Okay. Yeah. I just constantly think back to, like, for some reason, the thing that keeps coming to my mind is drums or no drums. I just feel like, you know, but you're just talking about people adapting with the times. Like, I, each generation has brought with it things that it doesn't like from the previous generation. You know, so, like, one generation stopped liking, for the most part, I understand there's outliers, and I'm one of them, I think Hannah's one of them, so, like, our generation kind of stopped liking hymns. Now we're starting to get back to that, thank the Lord, you know, we start, you know, we're getting back to that, but, you know, they wanted something more upbeat and stuff like that. For, I guess that's, for me, feels like a relevant one that I can relate to, because that's kind of what, that was a transition and adaptation that took place in the church. Um, but I just find, I just find that such a fascinating topic, because... There are so many, with how much we do change as a church, the mode, it can be, I feel like, so easy to accidentally also change what we're communicating. I think of seeker-friendly churches. Yeah. You know, the mode definitely changes, but the way that you communicate it also kind of changes it in a sense. I mean, what do you th I mean, is that just something that's too out there to say that those types of churches that were taking place, when, when did that movement be get, get big? 90s, early Secret, 2000s? Seeker-friendly churches are probably in the... 
the the 90s, you know, in uh, birth, you know, birth with Bill Hybels, and and all. I mean, he was probably one of the first churches to remove um, remove the um, podium off the stage, and you put a couch, you know, and people thought that was absolutely um, almost um, heretical to to do that, right? And and he and sit down and have a a, a conversation, and and I don't, I don't know how much you're familiar with the secret friendly movement, but yet each service actually uh, the sermons included usually a skit that was done di- during that, you know, that would be relevant to, to family life or whatever. It was in, and it was very interesting to see, see that. And, and I thought it was an amazing idea. I really did. The, what happened just talking about that specifically is that churches saw that working and then they abandoned the vision that God had given them and made this switch, so to speak. And for many churches, it was a colossal fail for them. It it really was. And it divided groups of people because we got away from the fact that God does give us a vision. Yes, preaching Christ crucified, but God does give you a very specific vision for a church I always vision the body of Christ as, you know, it's a it's a spiritual golden corral, and uh, and it has a buffet that's kind of weird, right? And it has a buffet, and there's a lot of different flavors of the the food that's there, a lot of different flavors and and a lot of different things, and and so that's intentional by God. I truly believe that's intentional by the Lord to reach the world because the world is a different place, and, and it reaches the world, you know. What we said about the gospel Sunday morning is that, you know, what's different about Christianity and Islam is that when Islam comes into a culture, it destroys culture. It erases their culture is what they do. When Christianity comes into culture and the gospel comes into culture, it actually enhances their culture. It brings it brings God out in their culture. Thus, you know, the, the tragedy of what uh, Christianity did like in Africa and places, we tried to turn uh, African believers and Christians into really European believers. And, and what it did, it became very countercultural for them. Then they rejected the gospel in, in many ways in that area. So I think that, that, that we're supposed to look different yet the same. We're supposed to look different yet the same. We're going to pause our conversation here for today, but we will pick this up next week and continue this discussion on vision for ministry. We're so excited to get to hear more from Pastor Mark then, so be sure to check back in for that episode. Um, And of course, uh, as always, you can email Nathan or I at podcast at hopeandanderson.com if you have any thoughts on the show, questions for us, uh, or really just any feedback to let us know that you're listening. We love to hear from you. Love to get your perspective, um, even if it's just to say hello. So hope to hear from you, uh, and we'll be back next week.